Well, hey, friends, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can pause and remember that God is truly at work in our mess. So if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I consider it such an honor to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which happens to unleash a brand new episode into your speakers, your earbuds, every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are actually partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets for free in hundreds of languages wherever we go. But we also just love locking arms with women from all over the world who bravely and intentionally share a piece of their story. So no, we're not perfect, but we are in process. And no, we most definitely do not have all the answers, but we are trusting the one who does. Psalms 9:10 puts it this way, those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So with eyes and ears wide open, back with me today as my co-host is a crowd favorite and my very own good friend, the LaTanya Pratt. And together we are chatting with two amazing women, Heather George and Jamie Job, who hail from another great church in my particular city, Church on the Move. And guys, here's the great thing about this podcast and really why we exist. We most often get a glimpse of each other's lives in passing, maybe vaguely on social media, maybe occasionally from a stage. And that's great because life can be amazing and wonderful and all the surface level things, but it can also be awkward and hard and confusing and complicated. As you already know, there is more beyond the highlight reel, more beneath the surface, more than what meets the eye. And that is exactly why we cannot wait for you to hear from these beautifully honest, down-to-earth women. We're talking marriage struggles. We're talking infant loss. We're talking about the challenges we face as control freaks. You are going to be blessed by their insight and vulnerability. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at The Messy Table. Well, it's a good day here in my living room. I'm super excited. I have one of my best friends, Latanya Pratt, here back with me. Hey, Latanya! (laughs) And then we get to interrogate some of these amazing women. So we have Heather George and Jamie Joe here with us. Wow, interrogate. That's how we're going to (laughs) start. That's how we're going to start. I feel like you especially can handle it. (laughs) Oh, great. So welcome to the messy table. Thank Thank you you so much for having us, Jen. Um, Heather and I are launching a podcast. In fact, just launched a couple weeks ago and we are babies at this and you're experienced and I don't know why you invited us but thank you <laughs> girl we're all still figuring stuff out all we're gonna do is talk so I awesome. well I'm excited because one I've got my bestie here Jen Woo-hoo! and then I thought it would be so awesome to bring in the cutest girl besties I've ever seen outside of us Jen uh, I mean of us. I mean totally not to be competitive right? Right. Right. That's we're not, not our competitive way. at we're all <laughs> but I think they've been so influential to me personally and whenever you hear them talk you automatically feel like you're a part of the conversation they would do these lives whenever we first went into quarantine time and I mean I lived for two o'clock coffee chat <laughs> and I'm like nobody has a zoom call in this house we turn in every Everything off. I got coffee chat with the girls. And so it's exciting to know that a lot of other friends will get to hear you too. So welcome to the messy table, all of my besties in one place. And I'm going to let you take it away, Jen. Yeah. Well, we just want to know who you guys are. So tell us a little bit about you. I know you guys are good friends. So maybe together and apart. Uh, Give us a scoop. We are nothing apart. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. You start. <laughs> You're everything to me. <laughs> you start. You start. Okay. Uh, my name's Heather. I am an Oregonian. We need to know oh, that. Oh, it's, it's a point Proud. of pride. I moved here to go to ORU a couple yeah. decades ago. It brings a lot of people in. It yeah, like. it does. I followed a boyfriend sight unseen. And oh. then we broke up just a few months into it. So <laughs> oh, this is getting juicy already. <laughs> I love right it. the top. And um, met my husband. We got married. I, I married a graphic designer. I don't know what our plan was, but we were just going to get married and live happily ever after because that's, that's what easy. you do. That's, that's simple. What you do. And um, he worked at a church, Church on the Move, doing graphic design and had worked there you might since say he was his, 18. His dad was the pastor. Yeah, his dad church. was pastor yeah. of Church on the Move. And he just kept continuing to work at the church and do different jobs. And then about five or six years ago, 
he and his dad started talking about transition. I'm like, what is this conversation? <laughs> what is happening? Because this wasn't the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no now, one told you about this no. ahead of time. <laughs> and then let's see, it was three and a half years oh, ago yeah. that they made an official transition. My husband became the lead pastor at Church on the Move. And so I And so did you. And so did I. And I'm still learning to figure out what that means for me and my family. This guy is now a pastor as well. Oh my goodness, Jen, same. (laughs) See, I feel like the Lord um, has a good sense of humor sees things in us we don't see in ourselves. I married an oil and gas man, (laughs) um, a very successful businessman. And with Witten Heather's transition into leadership of Church on the Move came our transition in life as well. Witt approached my husband, Brian, about maybe coming on uh, board at Church on the Move and helping in some capacity, which now that we're several years later, turns out it's, it's a pretty big life change. Mm-hmm. And we completely left oil and gas and now we're in full-time ministry, um, working alongside beneath, but alongside Wit and Heather. And uh, this was not the plan. <laughs> <laughs> LaTanya, I'm waiting for you to join in. Yeah. You know, my husband was hot at Abercrombie. Okay. Yes, girl. You were so cute. Smelling like fierce. You know, him. I might text him right now. Both my kids got fierce for Christmas. Girl, that is. I'm telling him. Next thing I know. It's timeless. <laughs> oh, it's my timeless. goodness. Ken Von Pratt. <laughs> so we have LaTanya and Ken. And Vaughn over for dinner um, about a year. I'm sorry. I guess we've never had you over since then. I do love you. Uh, and, you know, there's been like a global pandemic. Oh, I don't sure, know thank, you. thank you. Something called the coronavirus. Thank you. The coronavirus is what's held us back. So I'm sorry about that. But we had them over for dinner and we have one of those Alexas where you can talk to, hey, Alexa, tell me what time it is. Alexa, play this song. And um, I didn't know this until yesterday. Brian uh, told Alexa that when we ask her the question, who's the nicest person in the world? Alexa says, Latonya Pratt's husband, Ken Von Pratt, is the nicest no. human being. In the <laughs> How world. do you get it to say that? I don't know. Brian programmed it. He did it for when they were coming over for dinner. I don't even know if he no. had her say that. So my seven-year-old sweet daughter um, is asking Alexa all these questions. <laughs> Alexa, who's the best daddy in the world? I've looked over the whole face of the earth, and Brian Job is the best dad in the world. <laughs> Alexa, who's the best mom in the world? I have looked over all of history, and Mother Teresa is the best. I was like, what? <laughs> and then she goes, Alexa, who's the nicest person in the world? The nicest person in the world is Latonya Pratt's husband, Ken Von Pratt. We're all like, what? Wow. And that's never been on Ken Von's that's resume. A statement. So it was really new for both of us. I was I like, not me. Let's yeah. get it one more time. <laughs> all right, Heather. So keep going. Tell us a little bit more about your family. So we have five kids. The oldest is 19, the second is 17, 15. 11 and 8. Uh, so you do not look like you have a 19-year-old. Thank you. So. <laughs> You're like, yes, I, I feel like it. There's a few like gray hairs that he's given to me, but yeah, he's a fun kid. Lots of challenges. That's like the challenge of my life right now is the 19-year-old. Raising and an adult child. Releasing him. Trying to release him without oh. reeling him back oh. in. How do I you know, slowly let that go? Let us sit at your feet and learn. Yeah, oh, no. I'm just watching you. Yeah. Not I quite there. I'm not there. He's yeah. really sweet, though. He's like the sweetest. What did we have at church where he was dressed up in a full tux and he was serving us? Was it Mother's Day? Might have been Mother's Day and or he's Valentine's just like, Day. Would you like something? I'm like, yes. And he looks like he's this artist from like LA. He's real stylish. He's adorable. I, I love how you're talking about Fran because that is all true. But he's got an ornery streak. He's kind of he's his mother's son. Oh, he was in our breakout for um, oh, yeah at the youth at the conference. youth conference. He was in our breakout. We got to see a little bit of sass. I did a Facebook live recently for our daughter's ministry at Church on the Move, which is the women's ministry of Church on the Move. And um, Heather, I guess, is logged into 
Facebook on Fran's phone. And so he just joined me as Heather. <laughs> oh, no. I saw I saw Heather joining in the call and got a little, I was like, huh, I didn't know she was free. Oh, oh, it is Francis. So he's got a word for the women. Um, you just don't know what name. he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to do. I talked real fast and didn't give him much space to talk because I was concerned, but... Anyway, yeah. so Heather, what else? You talked about your kids. I didn't. I, I want to talk about my kids. Yeah. I've got kids. You've too. got three kids. Tell us about you. I've got JJ. We oh. got the same <gasps> initials. I know. We've we got do. JJ. Text, I love you, JJ. Whenever you were sending your thing, and then I was like, oh, there's two JJs, and I don't want anyone to be confused. But I love you both. Oh, What's so. your middle initial? J. Oh, I was named. Cool. I was named to be JJ. My dad wanted a child named JJ. So I think I was going to be JJ boy or girl. And then my mom just got to pick out the two names that were J. So Jamie Jan, and then I married into a J. And so I went by JJ my whole life until I met Brian. I was working professionally. I was just out of college. I was 22 years old and I thought nobody's going to take me seriously as JJ. (laughs) So I started going by Jamie and I met Brian. And so he had always called me Jamie. Then it's weird like to start falling in love with somebody and be like, hey, uh, my name's actually JJ. (laughs) (laughs) So that totally just has stayed with me. And uh, now I have people from before my marriage that don't know what to call me. And I right. think it, I think it's hilarious. I know. <laughs> so people are just like, J- J- hi. No, I get I it. I just think it's fun for them to be uncomfortable. So. Same issue here a little bit. Growing up, I was more of a Jennifer. <laughs> and then my husband just called me Jen. And so it's funny how like this part of my life, no one calls yeah. me Jennifer. But earlier, that's, you know. Kind if of, someone I don't know calls me JJ, I get real skeptical. Like, hmm. I wonder who they think they are. (laughs) Tell us about you. Okay, sure. I, um, oh my goodness. I'm a wife and I'm a mom. I've got three kids, 16, 14, and seven. Um, I have a baby in heaven. Well, she's probably not a baby anymore, eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely part of my story and who I am. I work at Church on the Move. Um, when people say, what do you do? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I don't know. What do I do? I do special scurry projects. Around and I scurry, I scurry around <laughs> and spinning. people avoid me sometimes, but I, um, I work on special projects. So when Heather decided to launch women's ministry at church on the move, uh, not only are we best friends, but I came alongside her and said on the work side of it, let me help you lift this. Mm. And, uh, cause I, I don't really do any work. <laughs> <laughs> People joke and say, yes, to have you one do, of them. It's good to have a Jamie joke. Yeah. Did you yes. hear what Jamie said? <laughs> Jamie said, People joke and say, Yes, you do, but. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. She's a huge visionary. um, I'll own it. I don't do any real work. You are a big visionary. This is the best part about working with Heather. We work together closely as friends, but um, as coworkers as well. She can see things five years, 10 years down the road, and she just spouts vision everywhere she goes. And uh, I can usually tell if it's a pretty good idea. I hold on to it. I tell people this. If she says something twice, I if she says it once, I put it in my back pocket. If she says it twice, I pull it out and start working on it. And if she said it three times and I don't already have it planned, that's a fail on my end. Hmm. But what's amazing is she doesn't remember the things that she <laughs> says. So occasionally she'll be like, you are so smart. And I just say, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take credit so for it. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> but they all the good ideas really do come from Heather. So we've launched um, women's ministry together over the last 12 months at a church that never had a women's ministry. And we together now have launched a podcast, which I think is what brings us here today is talk a little bit about ourselves and about that. Jen, you've been so gracious to let us sit in your living room and learn from you and talk all things podcast with you. So I'm a wife and a mom and a go-getter and I only work part-time, but try to make it look like I work full-time. <laughs> That's it. So uh, I think that this is like the funniest piece of any podcast where you get to know people. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, so I'm, I'm listening to Jamie and Jamie is funny, mm-hmm. hilarious people person, mm-hmm. sassy, sassy. Ah! <laughs> right. You can already Within tell. Seven seconds. You um, can already tell. And so, you know, you say that and randomly people will come up to me in the lobby. They're like, you remind me of Jamie Jen. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. The chocolate version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember being in small group with you mm. 
was it this summer? This past summer, yeah. So we did a small group together. And it's always awesome to see the people, I call it the Miss America syndrome. So they walk around and Jamie is always joyful and she's always smiling and she's always everyone's best friend. Like you say, you're like, oh, that's your best friend. They think they're your Latanya best friend. Latanya makes best friends in Target <laughs> yeah. frequently yeah. and then calls me. Do you think I should go over to the house? <laughs> no, Latanya, oh walk God. away. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But in that, I had the opportunity and I say honor hmm. to get a little glimpse into the behind, behind the, the scene. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful moment for me. One, because that's when we connect. It's in someone else's vulnerability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I connected with you because every time I see you in the hallway, like you make me feel so loved. But after that summer, I was just like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Jamie will never be able to get rid of me. Like I'm just holding on to your legs. Tell us a little bit, yeah, just a little bit about your story. So the world can know just a little bit more about Jamie. Um, I feel like now I'm, I'm, middle-aged. I hate to say it that way, but it's just true. And with my age comes some level of understanding of who I am as a person. And I'm certainly far from perfect, a lot of scars and a lot of bruises. Uh, But I feel like my uh, gift and my calling and my purpose on this earth is to see people, not to lead a ministry, not to raise the best kids, although my kids are so important to me, uh, but to see my kids as individuals, to see my husband, to see each of you in this room, to see through the surface into the pain mm. and to just say, I see you and you're worth it. You're worth the struggle. So I I didn't become a Christian until I was a senior in college. So I'd already lived a lot of life. Um, I was date raped in college. That changed kind of uh, some of how I viewed life, definitely how I viewed men, how um, I would eventually view my heavenly father. Uh, changed a lot of things there. Um, I got radically, radically transformed and changed and and moved here to Tulsa, actually to intern at church on the move as a 22-year-old and, and just hungry for the things of God. And uh, I am a bit of a control freak. <laughs> so are you surprised, Latonya? No, I okay. was just taking it off the list. I'm like, yeah, that's okay, who she make is. Make sure she says that. Make sure she's <laughs> a bit of a control freak. And so my relationship with the Lord looked no different than any other relationship with my life. Like get to know you so that I know how to take charge again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to pray these scriptures because you told me to, and then I'm going to get what I want because I'm in charge. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said that. I didn't know how to articulate that, mm-hmm. but I will say I really had a, at our church, our, our mission statement is to introduce people to the real Jesus. And what we mean by that is there's one knowing of God and there's a whole nother real intimacy with Jesus right. that doesn't come easily, um, but really transforms you. And so after we had had two kids, uh, I wanted to have more. Brian was kind of done, tapped out. And so I started using scripture on him. And uh, <laughs> I told him that the Lord would give me the desires of my heart. And so he could come along willingly or eventually it was just going to happen miraculously. You know, God mm-hmm. was going to intervene and I would end up pregnant <laughs> um, with him, of course. <laughs> with my actual husband, of course. Of course. <laughs> like I have wow. skills to make this happen. <laughs> Um, and we got pregnant and had a miscarriage and, uh, it was heartbreaking. Um, but I thought, had I known I would have prayed harder, I would have prayed health and healing and this wouldn't have happened. Um, so I kept pushing and I kept using scripture the way I saw fit to get what I wanted, which was more kids. And, uh, had a miscarriage, then got pregnant and uh, had a baby that was stillborn. And we did all the right things that time. We prayed the right prayers. We worked the formulas. We, you know, you pray this way in faith and you thank God and you get what you want. And God was not in the equation. I didn't know that then. And I don't feel like he holds that against me or anything else. He could have done anything and intervened. But instead, I met Jesus in the pit. Um, I would say maybe one of the most profound moments in the loss of my daughter, Audrey, was when I went to the hospital knowing I would be delivering a lifeless baby. And I was, I was a hot mess. 
And so you at, already knew. Mm-hmm, she, uh, we got a bad report at our 20-week body scan ultrasound and were fighting for her life until she eventually passed away at 27 and a half weeks. Mm. So um, when I went in to deliver, I mean, if you walked in my room, I was just like, um, I am having stillborn. It was a defense mechanism. Like, I didn't want anybody to walk in and say something inappropriate. I mean, they have your door marked. No one was going to say anything inappropriate. But if you walked in, anesthesiologist, doctor, whoever, I was like, hi, I'm going to have stillborn. And they're like, okay. Um, But I was in labor for 27 hours, and I I thank God for that because I wasn't ready until the 27th hour. Mm. Um, It was painful and it was grueling, but I finally was broken enough to let God into the moment. And right before I delivered, the doctor comes in and the nurse comes in and a sweet older lady came in and I looked at the nurse who'd been with me for 27 hours and I said, who is she? And she said, she's the cleaning lady. She's going to clean the room super fast. We're going to make this go by as, as quick as possible. You want me to have her leave? I was like, nope, she can stay. And I was just raw and broken and feisty. And so she stayed. And we delivered Audrey. We did not know if it was a boy or a girl. So mm-hmm. I said to the nurse, and I said, I want you to announce the baby just like you would if, if the baby was alive. Mm-hmm. And she took a deep breath and she said, okay. And so I have two sons and this is our first daughter. And so I delivered Audrey and she said, it's a girl. And they whisked Audrey away to clean her. And Brian went with them. And they took Audrey to another room to clean her and to prepare her. And the doctor apologized and left. And the nurse was with Audrey and Brian was with Audrey and I was by myself. And um, that cleaning lady walked over to my bed and laid her hand on my hand and said, if it's okay with you, I'd like to stay here until someone comes back with you. I just can't leave you by yourself. Mm -hmm. She said, I won't bother you. And I said, okay. And she went and sat in the corner of the room and cried. I don't remember when she left. I don't remember who came in next. But that was Jesus showing up in the absolute worst moment of my life saying, no matter how ugly it is, no matter how bad it gets, I will not leave you. Um, It took me on a journey after that. I I told the Lord after I, you know, a couple weeks after I got home. I told the Lord, you've shown yourself real to me. I know you're real. I do not doubt that you're real, but I do doubt that you're good. Mm. And I'm either all in or all out. I'm not going to do this if you're not good. And I don't trust you right now. Mm. And over the course of weeks and months and years, he has proven to me that he is good. And even in those ashes, he has been good. He is good. Listen. I've got three kids on this earth and not a one of them are perfect. And that baby girl has never made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell some of my kids now, like Audrey is my favorite. <laughs> she, requires, she requires no discipline. I will spend all of eternity with her. He's proven himself good to me. Um, so I guess, I don't know if that's what you wanted to know oh, or hear. My word. Heather always my, cries. So really, I mean, yeah, Jesus but I'm over baby. here crying. I'm like, <laughs> Lord have mercy. But there's really yeah. something powerful to say about the woman in the room who stayed. Because I think that there's this ministry of tears mm-hmm, that we don't sure. always highlight. Because we want to do something. We want to take a meal. We want to send flowers. We want to pray over them. We want to give them answers. Mm-hmm. And that right there is more powerful than anything else. That's so good, Jen, because all these years later, Audrey would be almost nine years old. And all these years later, I can't remember all the people that sent flowers. Mm -hmm. I can't remember all the people that brought food. And a lot of them did. And I will, I am forever grateful, but I will never forget the face of that woman. Mm -hmm. It's in our pain that our ministry is almost birthed as well. Like the things that we go through. So you started off saying, I'm not a leader of a ministry, but I know that I make sure people feel seen yeah. mm-hmm. and you felt seen in that moment yeah. when you're alone and you're a strong woman mm-hmm. and most people would be like, Jamie will be fine. Mm-hmm. Jamie will be fine. And Jamie will be fine. Yes. But she needs to be seen. Just yes. Like mm-hmm. yeah. And that's how people feel when you stop in the hallway out of your way to remember that someone had a surgery and they worked on a roof and they did this. Mm-hmm. Like you had that 
because of that sweet lady in the corner with you. That's how you make every person feel. I love that. It's out of pain, but it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm also a big proponent of wrestling with God. And so yeah. I loved your honesty with him, you know, not holding anything back. Yeah. Um, which I think also some people are scared to do. Like It oh, is scary. I, I don't want God to see me. Like I want to be strong, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Jen, I was scared that there was a chance he wasn't completely good. Yeah. And then what was I, I knew the question I was asking him. Mm-hmm. What was I going to do if he was only partially good? Mm-hmm. I was going to be out, but all my friends were at the church, are at the church. Um, I had kids in Christian school. I had, I mean, I was literally saying, you're either good or I give all this up. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary place to be. And so much freedom when you're willing to say, I will wrestle this out and one way or another we'll come to an answer. Mm-hmm. Thank God he's so big. Thank God he's so good because I was willing to turn. Right. Mm. I think probably the two biggest questions that people ask are, you know, if there's a God, why is there evil and suffering in sure. this world? And then if there's a God, you know, is he good? Can he be trusted? And so you were yeah. right there in the yeah. thick of it. And so I'm curious, and I know that obviously over years and sure. tons of experiences, and we can't nail it down to like one thing. Yeah. Um, but if you could kind of just tell us what it has been over the years that has, obviously he's stayed faithful to you, sure. but that has kept you seeking him. What has it yeah. been? I think that I began to read the Bible with new eyes. Um, I used to be I like to be life's cheerleader. I enjoy that. I like to encourage other people. I like to read the best parts of the book and none of the bad parts. Right. Like, tell me where the victory comes. Tell me where the answer is. Tell me when we get to celebrate. Are you seven? And I'm I'm an eight-wing seven. Okay. That's my controlling. I'm an eight. I'm always in charge. I'm always right. I'm all, anyway, but I also have a, a, quite a bit of cheerleader in me. Um but anyway, I started reading the good and the bad. Yeah, I started reading the parts where people struggle. I started to realize that Jesus was not just a resurrected king. Mm-hmm. He was somebody that died on a cross, mm-hmm. that sweat blood, that, I mean, if he had to go through pain, who am I to think that I won't go through pain? Mm-hmm. If we live in a broken world, like I think every person that says they're a believer does believe that the world is broken then why do I think I'm exempt from that? And when I started looking at things through the lens of this king that I say I serve, he's gone through some really hard stuff, then why wouldn't I potentially go through some? The thing is, his goodness sometimes is different than we think it will be, mm-hmm. but it's good. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to spend all of eternity with a daughter and it's good. And so my life is a blip on the radar, on the on the screen of life. I'm going to be here a short time and then spend all of eternity with her. So be it. Uh, it's not easy walking through it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. th- this is years later that I can say that. But I can say, I am so convinced. I'm so convinced of eternity and God's goodness that now I would not undo what I've walked through. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I was living a pretty surface Christian relationship, and now I intimately know God, mm-hmm. and He is so real and so good. And if it took that to save my whole family, I mean, we were all living surface level relationships with the Lord because we didn't know better. Um, but you can't live a surface level relationship after that. So I think Audrey saved our whole life, our whole family. Mm-hmm. And for that, man, I'm grateful. And she's never, she's never required any discipline. Either, so. <laughs> still your favorite. Still my favorite. Still my wow. favorite. Yeah. It's powerful. Thanks. Well, I know we could stay here probably for, you know, three hours, but Heather, give us a little backstory on you and just some things that you've walked through. Um, like I said, I'm an Oregonian and <laughs> I love to drop that in there. Oregonian. In it. Can, can we all try to say that word? Oregonian. 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 <laughs> and I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were hippies. They were saved in the Jesus movement. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, my dad was actually saved on a street corner, street preacher. 
Um, at a peace cool. rally protest, whatever, wow. however you want to classify it. But anyway, he and my mom served the Lord, but they both came from very broken homes, lots of abuse in their background. And my mom, especially growing up with alcoholics, her grandmother lived on a little piece of property and her mother I lived there as well as an adult. And when the bars closed, everybody went to my great grandmother's house mm -hmm. to just keep the party going. Mm -hmm. And so that was the environment that she grew up in. I imagine lots of men in and out of her mother's house. And um, she didn't talk about it a whole lot. I've just put bits and pieces together with stories that she's told. But when I was 19, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I was a college student at the time. I ended up dropping out of school to take care of her, driving her around to her doctor's appointments, things like that. That was in August. Basically, all endeavors to treat the cancer tried and failed. And in April, they sent her home with hospice and was like, there isn't anything else we can do for you. This is terminal. And she passed the August following and I was 21 years old and devastated. I had had a relationship with the Lord, but the loss of my mother and the difficulty with her relationship with me growing up and then with my dad, like they had a difficult relationship, that loss kind of left me untethered, mm. even though she was disconnected and almost indifferent to a lot of things. She was still a mother and mm -hmm. still a tether. And yeah. yeah. And so it left me kind of loose ends of now what? How do I live my life? Yeah. Where do I go? And I was just um, floundering. Drift, floundering, drifting. The next August after she passed, I went with my long term boyfriend to ORU and just sight unseen. I'm sorry, that's not funny, but the long-term boyfriend that we no longer associate. Well, we just, yes, well, yeah, I mean, it, he was like, he was the one the steady that I, he was yeah. the one steady I had in my life at oh, that time. interesting. Okay. And followed him to Tulsa. My first day in Tulsa, I was like, what in the world is going <laughs> on here? <laughs> Mid-August, it was so hot, so humid. <laughs> I said, who would ever live here. And that was like my first lesson in never saying never. never. Well, never. at least you got to wear skirts because you had to wear skirts at ORU the whole time. Oh, so. I got dress coded yeah. all the time. My skirts yeah. were always oh, too. too short. Oh, <laughs> my skirts. Latanya, two fingers. Oh my gosh, hi. Listen, someone <laughs> likes to talk about those track shorts of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So three months after that, we broke up. And I was just kind of left, all right, well, here I am. I'm going to finish school and I'll move back home. It'll be fine. I met my husband, Wit. He did not attend ORU, but through friends, I met him. And we had a tumultuous relationship from the beginning. Like, <laughs> it was hot and cold and angry and stormy. I mean, I was in a dark place of... <laughs> What makes it funny is how you look when you said I it, not what you said. In. I <laughs> took him in when I was in a dark place. I was in a dark place. Jen, can I interrupt Heather's story <laughs> to tell you this is how hot and cold they, they are passionate people. They are opinionated people. So Wit will tell the story that when they were dating, there would be times that they would get in an argument in the car. Mm -hmm. And so he would commit to only making right turns so he could roll through the stop because he knew if he stopped if he full-on stopped the car she would jump out <laughs> and that's true i gotta that roll the stop <laughs> and most of the time our fights were over they started over a game of uno or something oh, like that yeah. and <laughs> this is great but we're very competitive. I want to win every single time. He wants to win, but it was ugly. So it's kind of like I met him in a point in my life where I was in a place of rebellion, mm -hmm. where I was angry at everything. I was angry at ORU for making me wear skirts. I was, <laughs> I was angry at ORU for giving me a curfew. curfew. I, and the boys didn't have a curfew? What, what the no. heck is so going on? So they can on? walk us to the dorm. Yeah. 
ridiculous. I mean, I was just angry about everything. I was angry that there were people that were younger than me that were telling me what to do because I had dropped out of school and taken care of my mom and I had had two years off. So when I got to ORU, I was, I think, 22 years old. And uh, so like an eight, a 19 year old RA or something. I had had so much responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I had had so much responsibility in my yeah. life. And then to start treating me like I had no idea how to live my life. I was angry mm. and it was coming out in just rebellion and sin. And it was, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to get past that, to forgive myself because I knew better. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love the Lord, but I didn't know how to walk out a relationship with him mm-hmm. when everything had been taken away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've all felt that way before. Like yeah. I knew better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have all. So when wit came into my life, even though it was so tumultuous, there was so much strength in him that I remember having an argument about something and he stood up to me just like, we're not doing that. Whatever it was, he just kind of put his foot down and I was like, okay, I can do this. I can be in a relationship with this guy. Despite all of the arguments and dysfunction, I can be in a relationship. So we got married and I honestly thought that once we got married, it would be rainbows and roses. <laughs> We're just going to get married and everything's going to be wonderful. Yeah. It's going to be fine. We're going to live happily ever after, sail off into the sunset. <laughs> the day after we got married, we are on our way to the airport and we are in a huge argument. I mean, just name calling and crying. And she said the day after the day after <laughs> on our way on our honeymoon, like this we're in this on huge... their way to the airport for their honeymoon. Their honeymoon. Yeah. We're the arguing, day, yeah. You know, yeah. What, yeah. what do you fight about in the morning? Well, he had, I had moved into our apartment. I don't know exactly what we're fighting out being late or something. He had moved in the day before we got married and brought all of his stuff in trash bags. We had not packed. We had just like, we so the morning we're supposed to catch our flight to go on our honeymoon. It's a mess. I'm throwing stuff in a suitcase. Right I'm yeah. sweating. Oh, I'm yeah. sweating to relive this. Oh, and I can't find my driver's license. And finally, I mean, we're late. It's awful. We're yelling. We get in the car and we're driving on the highway. And we pass his aunt who had been at the wedding the night before. And I go and wave at her. And I realize I'm not wearing my wedding band. And I was like, what? We cannot go on our honeymoon without my rings and more arguing. Finally, he takes me back, get the rings, get on the airplane. This is when you didn't have to go through security. You could just show up and get on the plane. And I get on the plane and I'm so stressed out that I just throw up. And I'm just like, I have made the biggest mistake of my life. And yeah. I'm so sad for you right now. Yeah. It was pitiful. I mean, it was pitiful. We're two extremely broken people. I mean, Witt had grown up in a pastor's home, a godly family. He knew... He would say that he knew Jesus. He had accepted Jesus as the Savior. He would say he knew about the Lord, but he wouldn't say that he knew the Lord. And that's his story of his real Jesus journey mm-hmm. um, that we can share on another day. But that was kind of the way that we started. And that's the way that we continued with hot and cold and things are good and things are bad. And 10 months into it, he had gone on a missions trip with the youth group and I stayed home for a week. I had the apartment to ourselves, and I enjoyed myself. And then he came back and was just arguing. We had to go the day he came back. We had to drive four hours to a family reunion in Texas, and his sister and her fiance rode with us. And it was four hours of us arguing and them sitting in the back seat. And it was like the worst four hours of their life. And we finally get to Texas and we check into the hotel that we're staying in. And I'm like, you know what? I was happy when you were gone. This was better when you were gone. And that was the course for many years. And fast forward about uh, six years, seven years, maybe nine years. No, seven years. You're not really great. I'm not really great with dates. We had three kids. We had three kids that were born within three and a half years of each other. And Whit and I had gotten to the point where we were just doing our own thing. 
he was really into video games and music and whatever he did. And I just left him to it. And I was raising the kids and I had to make a decision in myself in that time of what is this going to be? What is my life going to be? Am I going to be sitting around waiting for wit or am I just going to move on without him, so to speak? And I made a decision that, Lord, I'm going to follow you. My life is yours. I'm going to seek you that no matter what happens with wit, I'm following you. And I you know, just made a decision to even just live my life that he wanted to stay home on a Saturday and play video games. Fine. I'm taking the kids to the zoo. We're going out. We're going to go do things. And that was, I would say I was at a point where I thought, this is the death of my marriage. I'm not getting divorced, but this is what it's going to be. And then, you know, it's just praying for wit, praying for my kids and our family You know, he began to change so slowly, nobody noticed. He just started reading the Bible. I don't even know if he started reading the Bible. That's his story to tell. But there were slow changes happening with Wit. There were changes happening with me. That probably about the 10-year mark into our marriage, I should go back and say, Wit was probably one of the most self-centered people that you would ever meet. And he would say that, too. he says it. He He says that, too. I'm certainly not trying to disparage him, but it was all about him. And I had my fourth child, Zuzu. She is a a mark in our marriage and in our life that there was the beginning of transformation, that you could really see it and know it in our relationship. And, And her birth that season it's written on my calendar, just joy. Mm. It was a season of joy. It was where I, I saw wit becoming like Christ. He was truly becoming like Christ. And I say to him now, you know, that Zuzu is now 11, that in these last 11 years, there's been nobody that's shown me Jesus like him. Mm -hmm. And that's like the big Mm -hmm. chunk of my story. And so informative about who I am and what I desire for people, because I know what's possible. Mm -hmm. I know what's possible when you really come to know Christ. So, all of these tears are are just yeah. gratitude, gratitude, yeah. a complete gratitude, because mm-hmm. my life was a disaster. Mm-hmm. I was a disaster. Mm-hmm. But people wouldn't have known it necessarily from the outside. Maybe. No, not, <laughs> at, not at all. You can not, answer that. Yeah. Not at all, because I, I, I was just thinking as you talked about Whit, like, Whit and Heather are two of my dearest friends. So I was like, if she wasn't if she doesn't tell the end of this, I'm going to have to jump in here because he's an amazing person. But I, I would echo that what was self-centered. And I think everyone could see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, but everybody knew that. Every, I mean, even Brian. Yeah. They came over for a game night one time. My nose is all stuffy now. And Brian just like walked away like, that guy is an ass. <gasps> Can you say that on the messy table? <laughs> see why I love, I love that? But I would say, Heather, like, it's interesting, even I've I've known Heather through all of this. And I don't think that in those early years, I knew she was struggling. Um, She loves well, and she loves big. And from the outside, she's a happy person. Mm -hmm. So I don't think even when I hear you say it this way, Heather, I don't think I knew. You know, let's say it wasn't all trash. Like it wasn't like a dumpster fire because there were happy times. There were things that we did that were happy. I mean, it's, it was very low level living Mm -hmm. Uh, to what is no, but I thought you personally were thriving. Heather is an amazing mother. She loves well. I remember saying either to Heather or another friend, like he is so lucky to have her. <laughs> like she like was he married up. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so I would say, Jen, to answer your question, 
No, I don't think people on the outside knew. They thought, man, she's a saint to put up with that. And part of that was my determination. Like, Lord, I'm following you. And I don't say that to say that I'm the better person because I've wrestled with that. Where there were years in my marriage where I was like, I am the better person and you are the sinner. You (laughs) are the You know, we all have wrestled with that. That That is just normal marriage. But, But... I had made a determination. I'm going to live this out as best as I can. But with the transformation in wit and where we are today is miraculous. And I would say and have said to Heather, um, I still feel like, man, he's lucky to have her. But I also feel like, man, she's lucky to have him. So you're an amazing family. He's an incredible guy. I mean, he's the senior pastor of a church and just full of uh, integrity and passion and all of those wonderful things. So for someone who's listening to this right now, who, man, they just wish their marriage was in a better spot. Mm-hmm. And maybe from the outside, it's not like terrible, but at home, you know, when they're fighting, yeah. they just don't know if they can keep going. But then here you are, you held on and you prayed and you didn't know what was going to happen, but you were determined to honor God through it. What would you say to them? For Whit and I, divorce was never an option. You know, early on in our marriage, we're having volatile arguments and it wasn't. You were never physically in danger. No, nothing like that. that. Whit could be cruel. Mm-hmm. He could cut you with his words, and he has spoken about this publicly. And as the Holy Spirit has spoken to him, he has gone back and apologized to many people mm-hmm. for the things that he said. It's kind of like the power of life and death, right? That's mm-hmm. in our yeah. words. Mm-hmm. That an incredible, you know, speaker and visionary, and someone who's passionate about the Lord. Oh, that mm-hmm. the devil would use yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Huh. So divorce was never an option for us, and I think. For somebody that it's not good behind the scenes and you're, you can see what's wrong with your husband. You can see that he's not following the Lord. You can see where he's sinning because Witt has spoken about this publicly as well. He had an addiction to porn when we got married. Everything that's being talked about is not a secret. This is all out in the light. And so you might be in a situation where you see your husband is doing things or participating in things, or he's just not loving you like you think he should. Mm -hmm. He's not being the spiritual leader like you think he should. My words to the women listening would be, you follow Christ like you know you should. Mm -hmm. Because there is nothing that you can do to change your spouse. You can't make them do anything. Um, let's see, probably, you know, five, six years into our marriage, I had given Wit a book about marriage, you know, would you read this? And he's like, no, that's a waste of my time. He said that that's a waste of my time. Well, I know everything there is to know about marriage. <laughs> and I don't think that there's anything you can do. All you can do, I think, is to follow Christ into wherever he's asking you to go. Whatever that might mean for you is that you follow Christ. Mm. I can't leave a moment like this with this unsaid, and you know this about me. Um, I've worked with women for a long time. Some people's marriages are not good, but they're not safe. Yeah. And we are not talking to you right Right. now. Right. If you're not safe, you don't. You get safe first. Yes. You don't just buckle up and like, I'm going to persevere. No. Um, And I, I think most listeners know the difference, but man. We stand with you. You get safe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I remember you speaking about the season of joy. Mm -hmm. What changed? I know you said he began to read the Bible and things like that, but what was the heart change and how did you begin to see it in the day to day? So Witt had worked at the church, Church on the Move, since he was 18 years old and started in landscaping, moving through. There was a TV department, then graphic design. I married him when he was a graphic designer. And then 
he started moving into more ministry positions. And with that moving into ministry positions, he started listening to different preachers, you know, growing up under his dad, like his dad was what he knew about preaching and ministry and things like that. So started listening to different preachers and then reading books and things like that. And he would say that Tim Keller is his hero. Mm. He was at a ministry conference, a church conference, and he heard somebody talk about idol worship. And he was like, well, that is weird (laughs) because he had always thought of idol worship as little figures that people put in their house or whatever and crafting idols out of gold Mm -hmm. or wood or something. And so he was like, well, that's weird. But the guy talked about idol worships and the the idols that we have in our heart and yeah, the modern day idols. And that really started awakening him and idols in his life. And that was just the beginning He started listening to Tim Keller, and he would say that through Tim Keller, he heard the gospel for the first time. You know, as we do in our childlike mind, and Mm -hmm. we try to put things together the way that we understand them. Mm -hmm. So he had put together that the gospel was A to Z, and -hmm. the first step is getting saved, and Uh the Z is going to heaven, you know. And so he knew the A to Z. He's like, yeah, I got that. But hearing the gospel for the first time that it is freedom and salvation for every day, Mm -hmm. for every situation, started the awakening in him. And so it was him starting to listen to different preachers, ministers, teachers about the gospel and about how so his heart was in a position to hear it. Because oh, it's yeah. probably not that he didn't ever hear it. It's probably that yeah, that's exactly his heart right. was in a position yeah. where he could finally receive it. Yeah. That's good. And with that, you know, what I saw was him coming home and saying, how can I help? When before it was him coming home and sitting down and watching ESPN or whatever, which there's no sin in sitting down and watching ESPN after working sure. all day and having some minutes to just sure. relax. But it was when he did not turn on the TV and he was like, what can I do for you? Well, an acts of service is one of one of Heather's love languages and is not necessarily um, in what's fleshly nature. Yeah. So when he says that, that is truly an act of sacrifice and love and elevating Heather above himself mm-hmm. and yeah. in their marriage, which is really beautiful. Yeah. So powerful. I'd love to hear from you guys just speak to where their marriage is today. Um, well, now we're practically perfect, all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would say a marriage that you would aspire to, that you would want to have. This is one of the things that I was hoping that we would share with you, Jen, is Um, As Heather and I launch our podcast, it's certainly not because we're perfect. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not because. Well, that's why I have this one. (laughs) That's a good point. It's certainly not because we've even figured all the things out. It's for our particular audience. It's because we're willing just to bring it into the light and talk about it. And I do think that they have a marriage that I would like my marriage to look more like their marriage. But they're not perfect right. people. Not they're perfect. Too, seeking they're a perfect two God. Imperfect mm-hmm. people seeking a holy God, loving one another to the best of their abilities, knowing we're all going to fall short. There's there's still arguments. There's still tension from time to time. <laughs> yeah. There's still occasionally a fit over a board game with George. <laughs> well, there was an argument. We were playing a game. Whit and I had an argument, and it was just at our like house? yes, I don't remember, house? and it was just like cold. (laughs) But the most beautiful (laughs) argument you could experience because it was heated. And so Brian starts like just folding the game up and putting things away. away. And Heather's saying things like, let's play another round, you know, or whatever. (laughs) What's like, we're leaving or vice versa or what have you. But in that, I wanted to leave. Heather's (laughs) the one that wanted to leave. Okay. But in that moment, Wit paused and said, I owe you an apology. He didn't wait until they got in the car. He didn't wait until they got home. It was an awkward, tense moment with us all sitting there together. 
but the right thing to do was to make it right. And so he did it in front of us, apologized to Heather, and then apologized to us. Mm-hmm. And and then we played another and game. And then we played <laughs> another game. And that's what we're all doing, right? Yeah. And then we're we failing, played another game. And we're game. getting back up and we're apologizing. The reason I paused was because I was thinking, I feel like Wit has apologized to us lots of times. And I was just wondering if I have ever apologized to us. No, you've never done anything wrong. (laughs) Brian and Witt, if you happen to be listening, I'm so sorry. I'm so sincerely sorry for all the things past, present, and future. That's right. And then we're done, right? That's right. (laughs) Future. I like that. Well, this is so good and really powerful. And like you said, we are not perfect people, but we're talking about just like in the Bible. I mean, goodness, it is full of stories of imperfect people and scenarios. I do want to talk a little bit about your podcast. So you guys just launched a brand new podcast for your church, but you know, we're all about the Capital C Church and we are pumped for you. So this is awesome. And we want everyone to know about it too. So tell us a little bit about it. I want to go. Can I go? You can go. No, we don't want to hear from Jenny. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about it. This is one of the things. Heather, people love Heather. (laughs) People like me and people love Heather. And she really has a way of captivating the attention of people that I would say are on the fringe. Maybe people that go to church regularly or even outside of the church, but maybe that are seeking. Like, I want more out of my life and don't have any idea how to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to walk in freedom and I don't know what that means or looks like and maybe can't even articulate yeah. those and things. And do I even have time for that? Yeah. <laughs> right. So the launch of our podcast is really exciting to me. It's called Life in Motion and we just talk about everyday life. It's not super spiritual, um, but we love Jesus and I hope that shines through. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the things. How do you say it in the intro, Heather? Do you remember? We talk about life, life the ins, the outs, the everything, everything in, between. in between, and even the stuff you're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> so we hope that it's a real safe place for someone to listen and to engage without us going into a deep theological dive or a deeply spiritual conversation. We cannot help but bubble up and bubble over for Jesus. So that definitely happens. But we talk about hard stuff. So season one, which we're in the middle of season one right now, we launch Life in Motion with an episode about us, get to know us, and we tell a little bit of our stories, a little bit different stories than we shared here. So it'd be new material if you want to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our episode two is about anxiety. Um, our episode three is about materialism. Um, I think episode, is it episode four that's about porn? We talk so, about yeah. porn. Yeah. So we jokingly say, not even jokingly, we honestly say we're not experts really about anything at all. <laughs> ever. But we're going to open the conversation. <laughs> we, will, we will open the door. Mm-hmm. It's one of Heather's giftings to open the door for people. We'll bring it into the light. We'll talk about it. And then we'll drop some stuff in our show notes for you to, you know, maybe take a next step or find some help. Um, and we tell on ourselves a lot. A lot of times people just think like, oh, they must have it together. (laughs) Oh, contrary. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you so much. Both of you shared your stories and trusted us with your stories here at Jen's beautiful, messy table. And I want you to know that every time you're vulnerable, you touch and impact the lives of those around you. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So although you all are a big time you all have to go off and get your podcast like, you off the ground. Us out? Are you kicking us out? Are you kicking us out? Okay, that's someone else's house. <laughs> but you don't have to go home, but you can't <laughs> yeah, stay no, here. No, <laughs> nice. Wow. So before you go, what lasting words would you like to leave some of our listeners that either might be going through a situation that you explained or talked about or just words of encouragement as they go about their day? Mm-hmm. Heather, you're the pastor. Mm-hmm. I would just say that more is possible Mm -hmm. that walking with jesus is worth it yeah and a life well lived is beautiful Mm. so good that's beautiful well i think it's awesome that all of us us who've made decisions who've rebelled walked away done crazy things but at the end of the day god still saw fit for us 
mm-hmm. to minister to people because he'll use us in spite of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's so good. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. All it's humorous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> in spite of ourselves, he'll use us. If you're just willing, if you just say yes, he will use you. Yeah. I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Love us. you guys. Well, real quick, I want to remind you, you can find all the resources mentioned linked in the conversation notes. You can subscribe for free wherever you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. You can also join my email list at genjewel.com and be the first to know when a new episode goes live. And I mean this with great sincerity. It always means so much when you text these episodes to a friend or share on social media. You can connect with us on Instagram at the Messy Table Podcast. And I think that's it, friends. We are so incredibly thankful that you took the time to join us. So as you head back into your week, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.